really bright tomato sauce, gooey, delicious cheese, some hint of garlic, some hint of oregano, uh, and a little bit of the crunch. The breadcrumb kind of creates this, you know, soggy sauce type thing on top in the pecorino cheese. I think this, to me, is the perfect pizza. A southern boy who worked his way up through some of the best kitchens in Nashville has a fledgling pizza business being run out of a food hall's basement in East Nashville. It's Sicilian, it's one of a kind in the Music City, and it's fantastic. The story behind St. Vito Focacceria, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome, y'all. We're beginning our southern road trip uh, this week with a long layover in Nashville. The next three shows going to be from the Music City, uh, a city I adore. I have been going there for 25 years. My wife's aunt and uncle have lived there for many years, so over in Forest Hills. Uh, by the way, her uncle Jack has got the most amazing train collection and train setup in the world. So shout out, Uncle Jack. Um, I reached out to several people on this trip because I, I'm familiar with the dining scene, and I'd been to one of the places we're going to be featuring in a couple of weeks, uh, City House, but I hadn't really done a lot of pizza exploring. So I reached out to Brad Schmidt. He's a columnist at Inside Nashville. He gave me some intel, did a lot of legwork, obviously, talking to other people who are on the ground, um, people who work in hospitality. Um it was very interesting. There's a there's a, there's a nascent scene there going on. Um, Slim and Huskies came up frequently, reached out to them, never got back to me, never was able to set up anything. I bugged the owner a couple of times, so unfortunately, no Slim and Huskies. Five Points is doing New York style. Um, there's a place called Rockin' Dough. Uh, DeSano is doing really beautiful Neapolitan pizzas. And then Two Boots, obviously an import from New York City. If you're in New York, you've heard of Two Boots. They do kind of the wacky flavors. Uh, but the three that I've got lined up for you on deck the next couple of weeks, boy, you, these are some really fantastic pizzas. And, um, well, I mentioned City House. This is really a restaurant that has a wood-burning oven, and they produce some great pizzas. And they've been there for 13 years. And, and I remember a meal I had many years ago there. Uh, and the pizza was and is remarkable. Um, another place is Nikki's Coal-Fired this is a great story. This is coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll, we'll tell you more about then. But, you know, basically a couple of Chicagoans who moved to Nashville, put down roots, and have one of the only coal-fired ovens. And then today's guest, as a result of talking to Nikki's coal-fired owners, they said, you've got to talk to Michael Hanna. He is doing some really interesting focaccia pizzas, Sicilians, um, a, a really a traditional sfinchone, although he bagged the anchovy because people weren't responding to that. So it's not a really traditional, ultra-traditional sfinchione, but it is really a delicious pizza. Um, this is one of those pizza places where, you know, you have that epiphany, you have that moment, or you're like, you're looking around the room to see if anybody else knows, like, they're on the secret in on the secret with you. And I will tell you, um, one of the advantages you have as a listener of this show is you're going to hear about some great pizza places. Well, let me tell you about this place, St. Vito. 
Um, it's not really a place, first of all. It's in a basement of a food hall, so it's, there's no brick and mortar. He's working on that. He's got a, a, a convection oven. That's it. Um, he just puts his dough out on top of a plancha that's cooled down because he's renting it out from a, a grilled cheese business. Um, it's a pizza that, uh, you know, I'm always careful about grand pronouncements and saying this will change your life, but this pizza could change your life. I think it changed mine, actually. Um, and I think that if you earn Nashville, or if you're gonna, going through Nashville, if you're going to spend any time there, you need to go out of your way to order this pizza if you consider yourself a lover of pizza, as I do. So um, we're going to get right to it. Uh, we start off as we do all of our shows, asking our guests about his first pizza memory. So it's kind of ironic. I base this off of my Sicilian grandparents and Sicilian family, but my first pizza memory is from my dad's side which is more of like Arkansas Delta cotton farmer kind of sharecropper thing. So first pizza memory is going to my grandparents' house in rural Arkansas and ordering Pizza Hut and Mazio's every Friday night watching uh, Full House and Family Matters. And what was that pizza like? What Can you describe that pizza? My grandmother always loved hand-tossed and uh, my grandfather always preferred like the traditional just round kind of chewy crust. I remember when the stuffed crust came out in the 90s, we were all gung-ho for it and going crazy. I mean, it was very just traditional, like generic American, like getting pizza on Friday night type of thing. I think a lot of people my age grew up with that. Okay, so go ahead. You're gonna pull some stuff out of the oven, it looks like. You got uh, your big giant rectangular steel pans. That's a potato. And I'm using uh, Lloyd pans. They're the best. Well, let's back up. Tell me about how you got into this, because this is such a typical pandemic-fueled business where you go on Instagram, look at your menu, see pictures of what you're doing, go to a basement of a food hall, uh, go to the side door, order on a day, pick up another day. How did all this come together? I just took a shot and did it. Uh, I've been wanting to do something like this for a long time. I've been involved with pizza. I've been involved with some more fine dining type style places. All Nashville? Not all Nashville. Um, I was a CDC at a place called Hog and Homie in Memphis for a little bit. Um, worked for those guys in Memphis for a number of years, mentors of mine. Came here, did a small stint at Capard Seat, worked for Rolf and Daughters and uh, Folk, Hope open up Folk. Okay, so these are, for folks who don't know, these are high-end, well at least Catbird Seat's a pretty high-end tasting menu only restaurant. Rolf and Daughters is, you know, up in there, not white tablecloth, but definitely a higher level of dining. Yeah. Um, were you in the kitchen or front of the house? Kitchen. Okay. Kitchen with all, uh, with all of them. Uh, I basically got into a kitchen around 17 years old um, and haven't really stopped. Uh, did a, you know did some college and whatnot, not really for me. Started kind of moving around, wanting to work in kitchens. Pizza is something that kind of snuck up on me, I fell in love with, but I never really thought I was going to be the pizza guy. Well, and of course, living up, you know, growing up and living in the South, there's not a lot of great pizza cities in no. this part of the country. Not at all. Um, yeah, growing up, my pizza experience was that. Like, we had a place called Mazio's and Pizza Inn and Pizza Hut and things like that. It was more sustenance than it was sort of this definitely, experience. Definitely. Um, you know, the simplicity of food throughout my career, like, I've, I've always kind of chased these dreams and stuff. And I got to go to Italy with my mom and we traveled for almost four weeks throughout the entire country. And I got to eat such really simple, down to earth food there. I think it changed everything, and that was about three and a half years ago. And did you do pizza both in North, in, oh, yeah, in Rome, and Naples? Okay. Everything. 
You had the crispy, thin Roman pizza. You've also had the really soft, sort of bulbous yeah, Neapolitan. Yeah, de definitely went over to Bonchi to kind of figure all that out. Like, it was, uh, it was a heck of an experience for me, honestly. You got inspired to do something that no one is really doing, the focaccia style of pizza. This is gorgeous um, in Nashville. Where did this come about? This dough is actually a Spanish ciabatta dough that I've worked on kind of privately by myself for over two and a half years. A lot of oil in the dough? Lots of oil in the dough, yeah. You're totally right. Uh, it's it's um, kind of a hybrid dough. I want to go naturally leaven as much as I can, but you know, my circumstances of like, this isn't really my kitchen, I'm a ghost kitchen, and I'm working towards a brick and mortar, uh, it's harder for me to keep you know, my starter as healthy as I need it and want it, constantly moving it around. So I end up adding less than 1% yeast into my dough to help it kind of to activate a little bit. How long is this fermented before you bake it? So I can go, what I like to do is I like to say I'll make my dough on a Wednesday mid-morning and I like to let it sit for 12 to 14 hours, kind of a cold bulk ferment, come in on like Thursday and portion it mid-morning and then I can cook that night with a few. My best product is gonna be two to three days afterwards. So it a long, slow, cold ferment really works well with what we're doing. Um, but because of timing and the way I have to structure my schedule, sometimes I need to use it in that like anywhere between 18 to 24 hour range. And has this become your full-time thing now or are you this working is, elsewhere? This yeah. is it, okay. Full-time, I'm, I'm going hard on it. It's a real hustle. Um, Where are we, by the way? What's this name of this building? Hunter Station. We're in East Nashville. So upstairs are these different food vendors. Yeah, different food halls and whatnot. When did you actually start selling to the public? Uh, July, from my house. I was cooking and we were selling, my wife and I were going 15 pizzas a night, Wednesday through Sunday. People loved coming to the neighborhood. I had a line of cars sitting out. Tandy came and bought a pizza, Tandy Wilson from City House. Uh, Tony and Caroline, multiple other chefs around the city. The community like really took hold of the idea of what I was doing because it really inspired me. I wanted to create a pizza that was familiar for everyone because it's pizza, like very familiar flavors, but creative enough to keep me on my toes and also give me a vessel to work with because like I do a classic pizza with tomato on there, just like a tomato pie, spinchione type style. And then I do this really unique potato pizza that has some more like high-end uh, technique on it. And then I do a smoked eggplant pizza that's kind of the same way. Um, and I get to, since this is kind of a ghost kitchen pop-up concept, I get to change things whenever I kind of feel like. So Michael's now going to be, he's spooning his tomato sauce. And what is, what is in the tomato sauce? So it's just ground tomatoes. Um, I grind it myself. I season it with a little bit of olive oil and lemon juice and salt. I don't, I don't want it to be anything fan, uh, that it's not, you know. It's, and the height of this focaccia has got to be at least two inches high. It's two inches, yes sir. After the tomato sauce, uh, looks like uh, pecorino romano and fresh oregano. Yes, so the cheese is fontina and it's studded into the raw dough, proofed over the top and then it's baked. Then I sauce it and I use warm sauce. Okay, wait, back up. Where did you see that fontina embedded into the dough thing? In Italy or by your own? In I mean, Italy. It's not in Italy. It's, it's a southern Italian thing. It's something that they do for a lot of styles of sfinchoni in Palermo. 
Oh, in Palermo. Okay, so Sicilian. So the fontina is embedded within this dough. It's baked. Yep. Then you pull it out of the oven. Uh, how long did it bake, by the way? It takes around seven and a half minutes at 500 degrees with a high fan. Okay, so then you spoon on the tomato sauce pretty generously, almost all the way to the edge. Fresh oregano, uh, the pecorino romano. Pecorino romano and then highly seasoned breadcrumb. It's a, it's a uh, combination of just the focaccia that I'll bake off sometimes if I have extra and dehydrate it and, you know, cook it really, you know, to make breadcrumbs out of it. And then a little bit of like butter toasted panko. Homemade chili flake that I call summer flake. It's six different types of chilies from uh, Rocky Glade Farm here in town. I buy 10 pounds a week. I blitz it all up, salt it a little bit, put it in the dehydrator. My house smells amazing because I was doing it out of my house at the time. A little bit of dehydrated garlic in this guy, the chili flakes, some dry uh, uh, Italian herbs, salt, and uh, some paprika. Well, it's a lot of ingredients and yet it doesn't look like much because typically lots of ingredients in an American pizzeria would be like peppers and mushrooms and onions and sausage. But these are all so fine, uh, but it's, this is a sfinchone. So this is, yeah, this is what I call kind of my version of sfinchone. I, I didn't, that's the whole point. This was the only pizza that I was selling for the longest time. I didn't start selling other versions of this pizza until about a month ago. Um, the potato really caught on and that's what I'm gonna dress up for you next. And then I have an eggplant and I rotate. I've done like a onion agrodolce before where I stud um, like lightly pickled onions into the dough with the cheese, then bake it. I've done a version of what, you know, a Grisha, like Grisha pasta, but try to do it on, on a pizza. Would a traditional sfinchone have anchovy though? It would, um, and that's what I started with. I started making the traditional sfinchone sauce with onion and anchovy and tomato and kind of milling it all together. The thing is, is that my clientele doesn't really love anchovy. So what I have to do is I, you know, use the word of 2020, pivot, even though it's 2021, uh, and just try to make it work. I don't want a lot going on this pizza because I want it to taste like pizza. And pizza to me is really bright tomato sauce, gooey, delicious cheese, some hint of garlic, some hint of oregano, uh, and a little bit of the crunch. The breadcrumb kind of creates this, you know, soggy sauce type thing on top and the pecorino cheese. I think this to me is the perfect pizza. You know, not everybody discloses the anchovy. Like at Best Pizza in Williamsburg, they have this fantastic slice. And I was bugging them and bugging them, like, why is this slice so good? Well, they blitz a little bit of anchovy with the fresh uh, basil and the garlic in their sauce, um, but they don't disclose that. Now, some people can't eat anchovy for obvious, for dietary reasons, but I think sometimes when you say anchovies, they think, oh, it's going to be a, a piece of anchovy on the right. pizza, right? Right. But it gives it that beautiful umami. It does. It gives a great umami. Um, you know, when I can expand, I really want to have those offerings. Uh, people love this classic Vito the way it is now, so I've got to kind of keep it around. Of course, of course. Listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Michael's going to finish making this potato pizza for me, which I am so thrilled about and excited. And then we're going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am having just little bit of an out-of-body experience here. This pizza is fantastic. This finchone, the brightness from the tomatoes, um, that fried garlic, uh, the homemade chili, just giving it just a subtle whisper of heat, the fresh oregano, and the crumb, the beautiful open crumb. 
and it's very, very light. John Arena would really appreciate this pizza in, from Las Vegas, from Metro. Um, it's crispy on the outside. It's really quite light and airy in the middle, uh, but all this beautiful flavor across the top. Michael, um, kudos, first of all, this is a fantastic slice of pizza. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in your house here. Before we go any further with this potato one, tell me about the story you're talking about. Where did St. Vito, where did that come from? I was reading, uh, I was just going through one of my cookbooks, Giorgio Locatelli, Made in Sicily. I start reading through the Svincioni, and uh, that's the style of pizza that I wanted to make, and I started kind of reading through everything, and it talked about how at the covenant, the nun covenant in Palermo called San Vitus, which is translated into St. Vito, and I figured that was just a perfect name. And I got to give a little bit of credit to my man Trevor Moran over at Locust. He taught me how to make this sauce, him and Tom Bayless, years ago. And they taught me how to make this sauce. And I decided that I was going to put a little bit of my own flair into it and uh, make it a pizza sauce. Okay, so what's in here? So it's cream and it is mounded. It's warmed cream that's mounded with frozen potato. I add raw garlic and preserved lemon and black pepper. It's just dough. russet potatoes. All I do is roast them and season them. They're embedded in the dough. Yes, sir. I'm just sort of doing a little drizzle now with the spoon. But you are covering most of it, I see, but it's a light layer. It's a light layer. It's amazing how high this pizza is, and yet I'm sure people look at this and go, oh, that looks too much for me, it's too heavy, but they don't really realize how light it's going to be. That's the whole goal. It's 100% hydrated dough. How difficult is it to work with that kind of dough? Uh, once you mess up a hundred million times, it's really easy. <laughs> but, That's great. But yeah, so the goal here is for it to look like icing. It does. It looks like one of those cinnamon icing roll, cinnamon rolls. Right? Cinnabon. So I go a little black pepper to dress, touch a Malden. Oh, the Malden. Very fancy. You can charge 50 cents extra for that, you know. That's right. All right. What do you sell a slice for? Upstairs, they sell it for six bucks. Um, but it's quite a hefty slice. All right. A little dry herb. Interesting. As opposed to the fresh oregano on the tomato pie, you're using right. dry herbs and then your homemade... Uh, homemade summer flake. Summer flake. All peppers grown locally by Rocky Glade Farms. They're amazing people. I love how you do the shout-outs, too, to all your farmer friends. That's yeah, very important. awesome. I don't, I don't see a lot of pizza guys doing shout-outs to the local farmers. Well, that's what I want to do is when I'm able to get my brick-and-mortar and more, uh, you know, uh, concrete spot here, I want to be able to use what's available to us in Nashville to recreate Sicilian food the way that I kind of interpret it a little bit. What did you just finish us with? More pecorino? More pecorino and a hint of the seasoned breadcrumb because pecorino and breadcrumb on everything. Okay, and then, oh, you're going to grate some uh, zest? Yeah, a little bit of lemon zest. For a microplane, right? I've been doing this show now for for two years. I have never had a pizza like this. My mind has been blown. Um, my, I've got all these thoughts in my head, like how is this possible? How was this achieved? First of all, you're brilliant. Um, and I, obviously your experience shows because you think of this like chefs think of, of plating a dish, right? You were talking about how you layer the flavor and layer the, the architecture. Tell me about that. Yeah, I see. I see the dough as a vessel, you know, it's a craft to be able to make a dough like this that's 100% hydrated, um, most of the time, you know, pushing forward, naturally leavened. Um, but I want to take care of that craft, right? 
And if I'm going to serve it as just focaccia or if I'm going to serve it as a focaccia style pizza, sfinchone, you know, whatever, Sicilian style, um, I want to make sure that I'm doing something with it that really like the whole thing shines. Um, and I look at it as my plate. You know, here's my base. My base is this awesome crafted dough that's going to be really crispy with a really wide crumb. Um, that's why I don't bake with sauce on top of it. It's because I want to preserve the integrity of this bread. And then I can figure out how to maximize my flavors and what I want by topping it after bake instead of having it sink in. Um, I did so many trials on this pizza. So many of my friends across town ate free pizzas. I got lots of good criticism from them. Um, First of all, $6 a slice is not charging enough. You should be charging more than $6 a slice. I love how you get these little nuggets, these little golden treasures of, of potato or of cheese that are embedded. And then you get all this flavor and texture going on, on the top. Um, and it looks, this one, and you admitted to me, it's a little bit higher than what you normally like, but yes, like sir. pizza, you know, time, temperature, everything's variable. Um, but it didn't taste, it, it wasn't overwhelming for me. The dough was not overwhelming. I had plenty of good bites, plenty of good chew in this. Um, there's so much air in this. Uh, it's a fucking delicious pizza, man. It really is. I've never said that on this show. Excuse me if you got little kids listening, but this is a really delicious pizza. I'm really, ex if I had the money, I would fund you and set your place up in Nashville because I believe so strongly in this. This is so different and so unique. Um, and I know your colleagues have told you this in town, but I, I can tell you, I've eaten a lot of pizza the last couple of years. There's nothing like this. This is really special pizza. Um, I'm really glad that I got a chance to meet you. So you've got these three flavors. How does this work? If someone lives in Nashville or is coming to Nashville, how do they get this pizza? Yeah, so I have a website, St. Vito Nashville. It's V-I-T-O, S-T-V-I-T-O, Nashville.com. You can order online there. Uh, it goes to a, a toast point of sale system menu. You pick your day and your time that you would like to pick up. Right now we're pickup only. Uh, I chase people down in the back of the parking lot here at Hunter Station asking everybody and their brother, hey, you order a pizza? Hey, you order a pizza? I was hashtagging uh, Shady Pizza Deals there for a while. I've gotten so much feedback on the fact that people love to actually come support a small business like this, and it makes them feel really good about, you know, having conversation with me about what I'm doing, about how I'm building my business. They feel a part of it, and I want them to be a part of it, and I feel like they definitely are. I mean, I've grown from doing this in my house. I've sold 42 pizzas by myself in this space on a Friday night before. Unbelievable what you're capable of. I mean, when you get into a bigger space, you're gonna be so much more efficient and you're gonna have it down, I know it. Um, listen, last question we ask all of our guests, as you probably know this, uh, knowing what you know now about making pizza, which is a lot because you've certainly done a lot of R&D, you've admitted, made hundreds and thousands of pizza. What would you have told yourself two, three years ago before you got into all this to, to save yourself some hassle? Number one, probably keep working out because you're definitely going to pack on pounds. But seriously, I would say don't listen to the judgment. You know, don't listen to the crowd. We're in an industry where everybody kind of has an opinion about things. And if you really, you know, push for what you want and what you're expecting out of the product and you're proud of it, you know, keep going, keep moving forward with it. People are there to support you um, more than you realize. And that's something that, like, I always kind of had, and I think there's a lot of younger cooks and chefs that have kind of come up through the business, have had that stigma of jumping out on their own. 
it's tough sometimes when you work in kitchens where like you're not necessarily praised for some of the work you do and you're told like you know you can you got to push for perfection and you got to strive for perfection all the time um, and you should always definitely do that but you know take a chance on yourself sometimes I think there are a lot of cooks out there that can create really delicious food like this um, that aren't giving themselves enough credit and I think that you just need to you know excuse my French balls up a little bit and push forward and do it um, and like if it wasn't for COVID and it wasn't for my friends and family I would have never started this there are lots of chefs in town that um, I owe credit to for telling me that this product was worth it and you need to just jump forward and, and two feet in and go for it well I'll tell you uh, again having had the benefit of, of tasting a lot of pizza I've had epiphanies at places like Pisana in LA, Apollonia's in LA, Lucali in New York, Filomena's in Queens, but I've never had something like this focaccia pizza here in Nashville, and I'm so happy that uh, your friends, Tony and Caroline, told me to, to, to look you up. The business, again, is called St. Vito Focacceria. Do yourselves a favor, look Michael up if you're gonna be in Nashville. Michael Hanna, what a pleasure, thank yeah, you. Thank you so much, Steve. Just a remarkable young man doing remarkable things with a staff of one himself and really, really worth going to seek out if you're going to be in Nashville. Check him out. Okay, coming up in two weeks, we continue our Nashville pizza tour with a stop at another rare sighting, a coal-fired oven. Southerners are really good at, at sniffing out a fake and you have to, I don't think we're going to be successful unless you make something that is from your heart that is true to you, that is very authentic to you and where you're from. And Tony having this big Italian family, you know, everything we do here from the menu to the decor to even the music we play is inspired by Tony's family. The owners from Nikki's Coal Fire tell me how a pair of coal ovens in Chicago inspired their business model in Nashville. That's in two weeks on February 19th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, where we have new artwork. We'd love to know what you think about our new image. Tell a friend. Rate us, please. I want to know what you think uh, about the show. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is pizzacityusa.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And just a reminder, everybody, stay safe, keep wearing the mask, keep social distancing, and please keep ordering pizzas. I know they're doing well this time of uh, pandemic year. Pizzeria is generally doing better, but keep them afloat. Got to keep supporting them, okay? Thanks for listening, everybody. And here is wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. Always.